Episode 59 yes, of Ribbon of Memes, a podcast where we interrogate films previously described by other precognitives as masterpieces. Uh, I'm Nick, the uh, semi-alcoholic, <laughs> hard-bitten, sort of noir-esque detective, and I am joined as ever by I Roger. I guess I'm the uh, innocent who confesses all to the villain. And then, then gets murdered. I was thinking you were the. <laughs> I was assuming you were the uh, the uh, the spook sent to um, uh, sent to investigate my half-assed operation and report back to the senator. Um, but these hasty roles we're assigning ourselves have a reason because we are in two thousand and three. Well, no, two thousand two. Two thousand two. Yeah. I, yes, there's, um, uh, well, it's, it's very fitting that we're getting our timelines mixed up, um, because we are discussing yet another Spielberg film. This will be our, oh, I've lost track, fourth? Fifth? It's two in a row. Fifth, fourth, probably fourth. Yeah, and I'm, I've never regarded myself as much of a fan of Spielberg, but one must admit that what, uh, even, you know, whether one likes them or not, he has made a lot of films that have been both critically popular and very profitable. So it, he has got a magic touch, and it, I suppose you think of Spielberg as the uh, Raiders and, and ET and all that, but it's actually been a long time uh, since he did any films like that, and he's actually got quite a varied oeuvre. Um, one of which we're talking about now, which is much more sort of uh, well, debatably, but much more <laughs> thinks it's hard science fiction um, and very noir esque. Is that fair to say? Uh, it's it's certainly trying to be. That it, I yes, think it's fair to say to that this, this film has a really interesting genesis, which is not <laughs> obvious if you just watch it. But once you're aware of it, there there are things that definitely seem that they might hook back to it. This was originally exactly. going to be. Oh, hang on, we haven't met. It's it's Minority oh, yes, Report. Yes. Uh, yes, at uh, 2002's Minority Report, based on the Philip K. Dick's. Well, loosely based, uh, much as, about as well based as Bla- uh, Blade Runner is based on to Android Dream of Electric Sheep. Uh, actually, probably closer than that, to be fair. Um, uh, his story of the, uh, the same name. Um, Philip K. Dick, uh, if you're not aware, though you probably are if you're listening to this podcast, a science fiction writer famously obsessed with reality and what is reality and can we really trust our own senses uh, and many of his stories are protagonists discovering what they thought was true isn't and that sort of thing famously very hard to film but fortunately nobody tries <laughs> well yeah um he actually had quite a lot of adaptations hasn't he um some of which Ma- are good, many of his titles have been made good. into films yes um stories less so <laughs> a bit like ian Fleming, mm. i guess um Sorry, Roger, so I interrupted you, but you were talking about the genesis of Minority Yeah, Report. apparently, I found this in a couple of places, the first plan, when it, when it was originally optioned, was in 1992 as a sequel to Total Recall, with Arnie in it. Goodness me. I think and it's now, just fair to say that would, be, do... would have been a very different film. <laughs> but it's right. You mentioned this to me um, as I was watching it, and I had seen it before, probably as soon as it came onto video or whatever. So a long time ago, uh, it would have been DVD by then or something. Um, and I, it, it just sounded completely bonkers to me that this could have had anything to do with the Arnold, extremely over the top, um, bonkers, um, action heavy. That's uh, quite my title recall. <laughs> <laughs> I love that record. Don't get me wrong. I I absolutely love it, but it is incredibly oh, tongue in cheek, and um, I think in a similar vein to Ghosts of Mars, deliberately over the top, mm. uh, slightly bonkers B movie, which this uh, superficially feels like a very earnest attempt to put some hard science fiction on the screen, but we do have moments in it where there is there's there's a slightly um. 
oh, we haven't done the summary of the plot really. So uh, the the summary of the plot would be uh, we are introduced to the pre-crime division in uh, Washington D.C. These are policemen who will arrest you for a crime you are about to commit um and anyone who thinks they're going to commit murder is um scanned by uh, a set of three precognitives who then uh send the send the psychops or whatever they're, they're not called psychops that's babylon 5 <laughs> send the uh the police uh, the pre-crimes unit to uh come and arrest you and put you away forever so- I think no it's fair to jewelry, go in. As far as I yeah, I think it's fair to uh, go into the uh, initial example in, in a bit more detail because like, this is clearly yes. how one's supposed to think of it working. So you know, they they get a fuzzy impression of uh, a guy murdering his wife and her lover, and they they have to find yes. this down by yeah. You know, they, they have recovered the images from the psychics. And they have to say, okay, yes. well, you know, looking out of the window, there, there seems to be a park. Okay, so we, we know it's a place within sight of a park, and so on. So that so they're trying to yes. get, get it further they, and further down. They track down. down the address and the name, and there's a, some very hasty detective work because the pre-crimes unit has worked so well. There are no more premeditated murders at all in the district of in the Washington uh, D.C. area, um, and all the crimes they're investigating are crimes of passion, i.e., ones that no one. Uh, predicted were going to happen uh, and consequently uh, they've got usually less than an hour to get to them and solve them. So as as in this case um, there was no plan to murder until the guy came home and caught his wife. So, yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah as I say the, the, the opening montage the, the, there's a lot of filtering through these images that are sort of downloaded from the subconscious of the precognitives are so photo realistic that you can uh, you can pick up details like addresses on letters that people glance at yeah. or that appear um uh which as a conceit um i have some issues with i don't know that uh, certainly i don't see images like that in my brain in quite the same way but to be fair they're precognitives and uh, unusual and i'm prepared to go with it for the yeah I, I think to some extent one just has says okay this is the film's one impossibility we grew up last week and you know the stories about what would happen if this with the case not how could this work yes this this work yes um i agree uh, much as with strange days um except that i i'll go back to strange days i think because it with strange days we had this impossibility um that you can experience things that others experience but the the plot didn't really depend on it or particularly explore it very much that could have worked quite well with uh mm-hmm. you know an mp3 that someone downloaded or something it's it's uh, it plays with it a bit, but I, I think here the whole plot hinges on this precognitive idea, and there wouldn't really be a story without it, which is what I generally expect to happen in a science fiction short story, frankly, and in a film based on one. Yeah, I, I should just have a bit of bit of forewarning as someone who was at the time this came out uh, working in computers and indeed computer security. Uh, that, there are some problems with with, the, with many many things about this. <laughs> the, the, yeah, um, okay, yeah. Well, we we well, may we don't often dissect plot holes too much. I think here it probably is fair because the film takes itself quite seriously along. Well, I, I can't remember who came up with the term, but the fridge logic standard, as I understand it, is if you watch the film and then you go to the fridge to get a beer and you think, yeah, but hang on, what about? Yeah. then you know yes. that's not great but the film has basically done its job it's kept you entertained so that you didn't think of that while you were watching yes that's the crucial thing not to think hang on as soon as the thing happens on the and screen um, well I think that there's a lot of talk about the tech and th- this got very favourable reviews for the projection of tech and visually it's very very pretty it's, it's gorgeous I, I don't want to deny that uh, interestingly, it was the first film to have a completely digital production design, or first film of any scale. Um, in other words, all, all the sketches of yes. sets and props and stuff uh, were, were done digitally and, and, and altered well before they started cutting metal or plastic or whatever. Uh, which yes, might well have yes, so they didn't have big matte paintings or Ralph Macquarie painting uh, huge cloud cities or anything ready. They they had it well, eventually they would. I mean, what you see on screen is still basically physical. Yeah. Uh, but but for the design yes, steps, but there weren't pre-production. They they yes. went into a lot of detail before that, and yeah, it, it looks lovely. Um, but then, 
you know, it, okay, this, this film is released in 2002. We have yep. in the real world, um, DVDs. They, they carry 4.7 yeah. gigs of data and they are not a huge slab of glass the size of a paperback book. We have <laughs> networks. You do not have to carry your USB stick from one side of the room to the other. I, so I, I had a headcanon for that. I was assuming that was a security feature that they weren't using kind of wireless stuff <laughs> and they were just physically carrying. I, I, I agree. That's unlikely because some of the least secure organizations in the world are, um, <laughs> that kind of police place where they, they just don't think about the security. I mean, but we, we get this thing idea. about the, the, the machine that carves the uh, wooden balls and then they roll down the, roll down the ramp and then, then you look at them and that, that's lovely. It's beautiful. There is no reason for this to happen. There's some bit of double talk no, about how it's I... hard to fake, but so what? I, I, I'm going to be, that was one of the first moments where it really took me out of it, where he's saying, oh yes, we have to do this, so it's hard. There are less elaborate Heath Robinson ways to make things less fakeable than burning a name into a unique billiard ball shaped bit of grained wood. It just, we all know, I, I suppose it took me out of it because you know, and everyone knows, they're doing it for the cool visual appearance mm. of it. And that's fine, but, I just, it was so obviously for that, that I was like, oh, okay, this, this film is less, uh, less about the, the serious science fiction than it wants to be when it starts doing that mm. sort of thing. Um, similarly, that there's, um, I think it's also in that early sequence, like they, they're doing the, um, yeah, what, what would with conventional tech be a helicopter assault, but it's not a helicopter, it's some sort of flying vehicle. The, the thing where they've yeah, got those rings a, of chairs for the guys helicopter. to get out of slowly, one at a time, as they're doing their high-speed assault. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's there to yes. look pretty, it's there to look futuristic. It makes no sense at all, but yeah, it's still pretty, so that's, that's fine. I, 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 but it's not very practical, and these are people who are supposed to be very practical people. So it does take me out of it, you know. This is yeah, me, me supposed too. to be showy. This, I think, is what people say when they say you should be, you should turn off your brain and enjoy the film. And there, to some extent, you know, I'm, I'm not going on full critical faculty mode, but I get distracted by things like that that are just silly. <laughs> well, I think our go-to, probably both of our go-to for this is how you can do extreme realism and still make it exciting would be Das Boats. Yeah, um, yeah. And it, you know, you don't need to be all showy and flashy, and you can still wring a huge amount of drama out of practical stuff. In fact, I find it more dramatic to, you know, this is how this has got to work for this to work. And I, I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, but, but let, I, let's I'm not just constantly aware this. that it's a film. Yes. Um, yes. So, all right. I, I think my basic problem with this film is not really the film's fault. And, okay, and it yeah, is that I have a really hard time sympathising with roles played by Tom Cruise. There, there's just now, something have... about his face or manner or something that just says to me, I'm not really interested in this guy, I don't like him, I don't trust him. Clearly it's not, it's not a universal thing or he wouldn't have a career, so... Well, I, I mean, yeah, Tom Cruise, we've talked about before, because we had him in Magnolia, where I think we both agreed he did a phenomenal mm. job of acting. As I thought somebody you're not supposed to like a... or sympathise with, for the most part. <laughs> yes. Um, well, what he does there very well is he's almost a, an extreme parody of himself, twisted into this weird sex guru, uh, which half which is kind of half the film which really works and then the other half he's in he he just kind of you just see him emotionally collapse when his father mm. dies and that is an astonishing bit of physical acting um and i think he's great in magnolia i i'm a defender of tom cruise i can't deny i'm not going to deny that i feel similarly to you i'm afraid Roger, <laughs> in the sense that his kind of uh Something about his physicality I find off-putting. I didn't in Magnolia, but here almost immediately. He's just kind of, he's like hyper-competent in the way you can tell he's absolutely under control. But I feel that when he's doing that, I feel that's Tom control, Tom Cruise fully in control of himself doing this acting job. And it takes me out of it again. Um, I, I think he is a phenomenal actor and he, he is phenomenally in control of his of what he wants to do and portray uh, it didn't work for me here either I'm afraid it, it, um, 
he's he's playing sort of hyper competent Tom Cruise where he can you know he's really powerful. But this is a character John Anderson who is supposed to be a broken man and a drug addict. Mm. I I was and reminded just... there's a bit in one of the Lensman novels where our yes. hero has to go undercover um to to get close enough to telepath in on on an important conversation. And the way he ends up doing this is to pretend to be a drug addict who can, you know, be left to sleep it off and nobody will care about him. And because he is who he is, he is the best drug addict ever. (laughs) That was the feeling I got here. Oh, yeah, I I agree. He's not doing, like, rubbish drunk acting or anything, but it's also... Maybe it's intensity. He's just so intense um, that I... I don't know. I I agree. Magnolia worked phenomenally for I've liked him in other films too. I I think he is genuinely a very good actor. But here he's like playing the Mission Impossible action guy, but he's also a broken drug addict. And I I, I didn't a drug addict, but I in a cool way. But in a cool <laughs> yeah yeah he's and uh, I did buy here. I mean I think he's very good at emotions, and I uh, I. Frankly, um, of all the films we've, uh, there were, there've been a few scenes I've struggled to watch in the films we've seen. One was the scene in Dagon, mm. um, with the, the scalping. I, I, I was surprised to find myself just utterly, uh, unwanting to watch it. The other scene I just couldn't watch was here in this film, which was, um, when his son is kidnapped. And I just, I found myself not, not wanting to go through that, so I I knew what would happen. I could tell from the context of the film. I could, and I just I skipped over the scene as soon as he put his head under the water. Mm. So he puts his head under. He's having a kind of who can breathe longest underwater game with his child, um, with his son. Uh, and I knew that his son was going to get kidnapped at that point, mm. and I just I just couldn't watch it. Um, and I think that has got a lot to do with the framing and Cruz's, uh Emotional acting, I think he is good in that. And so, I, right next to, to that in the film is the, when he's deciding whether or not to shoot Leo, the, the guy whom he believes kidnapped mm. and murdered his son. That grimacing yes. he does it just came over to me as comic. <laughs> um, yes, he's that's gone okay. right yes, through the point. competent acting and out the other side. <laughs> I think you're right. I, I think, yeah. So I'm saying just the emotions, right? Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, okay. So we both agree his performance. Mostly. Uh, yeah, lo- large parts of it. And it's, it's fine, but th- there are just yeah. these bits that keep throwing me out of it. And as you say, reminding me that this is Tom Cruise playing this guy. Yes. And, and, and for both of us then probably we weren't rooting for him and didn't feel desperately sympathetic towards him. Is that fair to say? Or John Anderton? Yeah. Well, I, I, I did find it hard to keep the characters separate. Yeah, I mean, we're talking more about Tom Cruise, I guess. He's being Tom Cruise yeah. movie star, as well as Anderson. He felt very Tom Cruise here, and, um, yeah. And, and I've seen him in, you know, I love Vanilla Sky, it's another film I love him in. I like, um, I like Interview with a Vampire, um, uh, I mean, it's got its problems, actually, but I think Tom <laughs> Cruise is not, not particularly one of them. Fair um, enough, I, I, but, I've seen it many years ago, and I wasn't paying a lot of attention. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, it's it's the best of Anne Rice's novels. Unfortunately, she, it was the first one. She went on to make a lot more of them. Um, uh, I gather they're doing a Lestat TV show now. Um, anyway, uh, yes, Tom Cruise. I I doesn't. And I don't know what we're dancing around here. Is for me, I tell you, who would have worked better is Arnie. I, th- I think he would have been so. fantastic in this sort of over the top. Well, there's echoes of. It is quite a serious film, and it feels like sort of a... I don't want to say schizophrenic, partially because that's the wrong term to use, I suppose. I mean, a film with multiple personalities, that it's got this very serious noir plot, but it's got a surprising amount of weird, grotesque comedy moments. Mm. For example, Peter Stamare's uh, comedy eye surgeon, I think, or... Yeah, I mean, I'd love he's to see him, like but a, he's a not the sort of character we've seen in the rest of it so far. No, and he creates this weird kind of 
not quite threats because he's like, well, you put me away and now you're under anaesthetic and I'm going to take your eyes out. But he does what he's supposed to do. It was just sort of window dressing mm. to make it a comedy. And then there's the slightly comedic, there's the comedy grotesque, uh, I mean grotesque in the theatrical sense, nurse who comes in uh, with this uh, slightly... I don't know, like Wes Anderson kind of Germanic accent that, um, and then, uh, he goes to the fridge and he, he picks out the moldy food instead of the correct food. And I, it feels like that was supposed to be, uh, funny. And it kind of, I mean, Peter Stamari is very good at that, but he's acting against Tom Cruise, who is taking it ultra seriously. And I know for comedy, you know, it does work well when you don't know you're in a comedy, but the film doesn't seem to know it's a comedy. Yeah, um, and the, the one that really threw me for that uh, is a bit bit later where he's... Um, uh, we, we we should say the reason for the whole eye surgery thing is that there is basically omnipresent iris recognition. Which you think you might know if you were a police officer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he does know it, but you would think that would be the very first thing you would think of. They'll be tracking me. And also... You would have thought there'd be better workarounds than having your eyes taken out, and 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 he would be well aware of them. Get some <laughs> contact lenses because he deals with people who use them. Well, he is only but... a pre-crime guy, not a real cop. <laughs> well, that's true. <laughs> um, <laughs> Spoken like. But a, the thing that really struck me with that was um, so l- later on, he he's had his eyes swapped. He's still using. He he needs the old eyes to get into. Uh, you know, the, the, the room where the psychics are. Why, why when they flagged his iris pattern to, um, you know, raise an alert everywhere you go, did they not take it out of the access log for that room? Uh, maybe? I, I, I'm try. I'm gonna, I get, I absolutely agree with you. I'm gonna headcanon that as human error. But <laughs> he, you would have thought he would be assuming they did revoke his security pass rather than assuming it did work. Yeah, and but, being fair, uh, the the problem of biometrics still working on a dead eyeball is a classic problem of early biometrics as people are using this era. I mean, I was among the people who pointed this out, that, you know, you, you generate a whole new class of crime, which is, I need your eyeball to get into this, I don't need you. Uh, yes, exactly. So it's a good thing. <laughs> the, these days um, they do things like a uh, retina pattern and make sure there's actually a pulse and so on. They're, they're still not yeah. good, but they're better than they were. Um well, the crucial thing is to make it clear that it's not going to work outside, and then they don't have to test it. But, but the well, other thing, thing to, is, to, to come a... back to where I was, I was actually trying to start there Sorry. was that, that he drops the eyeball, or one of them, and, and it bounces both of them, I and think. they bounce along the corridor. And that, mm. I mean, that's straight out of a Pink Panther cartoon. It's also, yeah, it's, it's just not. I mean, that is not having. Uh, both um, performed enucleations and dropped the odd eyeball in my time. They don't roll about like a ping pong ball. <laughs> they're, a, they're a squishy mass covered with sticky things, and they don't look. They don't look like an eye. Again, this is this is probably not. But they, you know, these—it's uh, it's not a glass eye. Like an yeah. eye that's in someone's head. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, again, that takes me out of it. This is done for filmic effects, and and I found that happening too often for my liking in minority I mean it's probably fair um, to say that most of the audience would not have seen an isolated eyeball, I mean or right, most of both of us have but, uh, <laughs> but, um, but the, yes, thing, the thing is it, it, it's a tonal shift and there, there are these multiple fast tonal mm. shifts, yeah, we, we've got the, the the cartoony action and we've got the cartoony funny and then we've got the whole, the actual surgery thing which is trying to be out of, I, I was thinking of Un Chien or maybe Clockwork Orange I was thinking it's trying to be terribly serious and then it's Peter Stormare um, doing it and so he's not and this is schizophrenic Spielberg the filmmaker and to me this this reminded me a lot of Schindler's List and we're going to have the sudden dramatic moment to to put to get you weeping the girl in red the the, I could have saved one more scenes and then we're going to go back to the serious stuff yeah, I, I think it's tonally, in fact, it's the same cinematographer, I believe, as Schindler's List, which may have something to do with the feel of uh, it. Janusz Kaminski, yeah. Direct. Uh, so, but I agree, tonally it's kind of, well, I mean, it's hard. I, don't, I, I, mean, I feel like we've been a bit down on Schindler's List because we both prefer the pianist, pianist. Um, not that, but we both greatly enjoyed and admired Schindler's List. Um, 
And well, I, I do want to lay my card slightly on the table here. So I did very much enjoy watching Minority Report, mm. um, particularly the opening fifty. That little. Um, it's basically a standalone story, yeah. isn't it? The introduction just to tell you what's happening. And I found if it had just been that short story, I think I would have really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I did really enjoy it. But, um, but when it expands, as often the way when things try and expand beyond that, then, um, uh, it gives you more details and more things to think about and more, um, uh, problems. The washed out kind of very bleached kind of chrome style, I I liked actually I didn't dislike mm. it mm. um so I I didn't I didn't mind that either um but it did feel very Apple Store I suppose after a while <laughs> with everyone there having well, around it. Well there, there were a bit again bits that just threw me out of it um the 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 chase that starts with the jetpacks Oh yes I I mean maybe it's just that I have some idea of what sort of exhaust velocity you need to hold up a human being having built <laughs> you know, various sorts of flying machine um but I I just found it terribly unconvincing it was all slow moving and I meant to be excited but the physics has just been turned off here was what I was feeling uh, as I was watching it It felt like it should have been that kind of sequence that we both really enjoy where the the characters are all really constrained by the environment and the physics of the situation. I mean, the, the, you but, can see from, clearly from the storyboards they were trying to think through, you know, what would be the things that go yeah. wrong in a fight when half the guys are sitting, uh, hovering on jetpacks. So, yeah, yeah somebody gets yeah. at the controls, somebody gets gets their leg caught in something and so on. Yeah. But it just never had the excitement. But the factory, then it shifts to the factory and that's better. Uh, yes, uh, yes, some of the, though, again, well, uh, but also it has, uh, I'll, I'll talk about the factory in a sec, but that it also has those slightly weird tone in that then they crash. There's a very serious bludgeoning fight, mm. kind of, uh, desperate fight to the, not quite death, but, you know, to the, to the ultimate fate of our, of our John Anderson protagonist. And then they keep smashing through walls and through ceilings into people's houses and we have this comedy, oh, there's a guy in a jetpack suddenly appeared at our kitchen table. Which doesn't quite land, mm. ironically, for people wearing jetpack. It's another bit of that slightly schizophrenic, oh, I want a comedy scene now. And I can, to me, I can see, I don't know, you know, which bits of the script survived the total recall to, but moments like the eyes and the, the surgeon and these kind of comedy smashing through, they felt very much, they would have been very much more at home in total recall too mm. than they would have been in minority report. Um, the factory scene, I, I, again, it took me out of it. What kind of factory can you sit inside a car that's built and then just drive off with it? I, I didn't quite well, understand. Yeah. The, the, the action before that point, I, I liked in the factory. It, it did feel more physical mm. and more engaging with the yes. environment. So that, that was good. But, but yeah. then, yeah, okay. So the seats got welded in and somehow you managed to dodge that. Yes. And then the car has fuel right off the factory floor. Yeah, and, and it there's doesn't, no registration or paperwork. Unlike or every other car in existence, it doesn't have an override. <laughs> exactly, you just it just drives off, and you got yeah, it's um, uh, yeah. It, again, took me out of it. A yeah, bit. Uh, we should probably talk about some of the other um, <laughs> characters in this yeah. film. I, speaking of that, because it's reminded me, you know, that's a good um, Colin um, Farrell. Colin Farrell moment. Yeah, quite quite um, an early role for him, though. Yeah, not beginning of his career. Yeah, though. and he was—he's one of those a bit like um, Shia LaBeouf, really. He's—he's he's, uh, uh, or Matthew McConaughey, perhaps. One of these people that suddenly seemed projected into stardom almost immediately. Mm. Um, everyone was so into them, and they were suddenly everywhere. And I suppose, consequently. I had a bit of a, a, a Phil Collins reaction to Colin Farrell in that I was just like, oh, I don't, who's this guy that everyone says is great? I don't like him that much. Yeah, um, I, I, so I reacted um, against him a bit. I, I'd rather cut back on my film watching at this point, so I wasn't as exposed to that. Yeah, well, he did seem to be that sort. Of, um, I've I've liked him a lot of things actually since like in Bruges. Uh, but his off-screen persona is very much kind of a, or it was at the time. I haven't followed. It was a very much kind of wild child bad boy type. And again, that turned me off a bit. Mm. Uh, being uh, being much more a small C conservative <laughs> myself. Um, but I I really liked him here. I I like that kind of slightly switcheroo role where he's set up to be a bad guy 
but he's not actually he's just doing his job and when he finds something that he thinks is corrupt and wrong he's he doesn't just single-mindedly follow you know john anderton you're my foe he's like hang on there is something dodgy here and i i like that mm. i know it was manipulative but i do like that character arc and i thought it was well done uh well acted by colin farrell i, I think part of the virtue here is that from a narrative point of view he's acting as if he were the hero Yes, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and, I mean, because it, because he isn't, he's doomed. Yes. But, but that's apart right, from yeah. that last scene, he's very much, you know, yeah, okay, so maybe, maybe he, maybe they could team up. Um, yeah. that, that would be a thing that worked. I will admit that the whole, I, I know there's a thing, I'm, I'm gonna take it to the guy at the top, but the guy at the top is already bent. He's yeah. not terribly original. I mean, I I think I first saw it in one of the Doctor Sin films, which is yeah. <laughs> I mean, we we saw it here, of course, in L.A. Confidential, mm. where I think it is much better handled as well, because here it doesn't make a lot of sense. He already knows it's probably an inside job. He's also got no particular reason to take a loaded gun to the <laughs> boss and then hand it to him, and the gun itself is not. A particularly important piece of evidence, but it is certainly a gun that he can get shot with in a few moments' time. So that took me out. And, of and then we well. get it again because he goes to the to, to the big bad and, and explains everything and gets shot. And then Laura goes to the big bad and explains everything that she's worked out, and she only <laughs> doesn't get shot because he has to make a TV appearance. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Not only do we get it in this film, we get it twice in this film. Uh, we have, um, of course, played by uh, Max von Sydow, mm-hmm. who uh, is good. a phenomenal actor. Yeah. He'll always be being the merciless to me. I'm afraid. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I don't know if he's got a particularly great role here. Right? It, it's, it's one of those. Um, it, it, it's a very uh, thin it's one role. Of those... he, he's got basically one thing to do, which is yeah. uh, be evil. I'm going to be a good guy until I'm not, and from that moment on, I'm a bad mm. guy. And I, you know, all the charm and ways that he wriggled around before don't work. And it's one of those filmic scenes where, oh, now I'm the bad guy. It also then because it's sort of a who done it or who set him up that shoots its bolts at that point. Um, well, that, that's the other thing because Whit was has explained the plot. Yeah. And then Anderson explains the plot again to somebody yes, else. That's right. I, I wonder yeah. if this was maybe a, a, a test screening thing and they were originally planning to have just one scene or the other and then, then audience, audiences said, we don't get it, and they put in the other well, one. Well, that may be... This may be a problem for us. I mean, we are both science fiction fans and we're used to... Uh, I mean, this is supposed to be a very convoluted, difficult plot to follow, and I... I, I mean, it's no Maltese Falcon again. It's, um, uh, which even, again, it's not, it's not that hard. I mean, I, there are filmic plots that are difficult to follow. Um, and I'm not talking about Mulholland Drive. <laughs> <laughs> That's not, it's not a plot, is it? Um, I didn't find this especially, I, I found it satisfying and interesting. What I like is that, okay, these people, in this world are given these constraints this is absolutely how the precogs work this is absolutely how murders work I've got to think my way around given these constraints how do I actually commit a murder when I really you know I have to mm. um, and I like the way that was thought through um, so I do, I do appreciate the plot um, it kind of goes off the rails a bit and doesn't necessarily make a lot of sense towards the end. And, well, here's a, here's another plot hole. And I, we are being a bit mean on the plot holes, but um, none of the other murders in the film uh, are in any way related to the precogs. But the one that John Anderton is set up for, the only reason he goes to find Leo, what's his name, is because he's been preordained to do that. Mm-hmm. He would, there's no way he would have gone to that random hotel room and found all the ch- pictures of his child, um, if it hadn't been predicted that he was going to do that. Mm. And so it becomes one of those, uh, I forget the name of the par- the bootstrap paradox thing where you, the, the thing can only exist because it existed. Um, and that took me out of it a bit as well. Yeah. That does, that, and that's the only murder in the film where that happens. Um, 
Another plot hole. So I'm going to on a roll with plot holes. When he has Agatha, when John Anderson has Agatha with him, and we're explicitly told these precogs can only predict murders mm-hmm. because of the. Um, well, then she starts predicting everything that happens in the mall up to the you know the cops being behind the balloon, mm-hmm. and that's not <laughs> that's not how we've been told precogs work. I mean, you could say you know it, it has greater emotional resonance for her because she's physically there, but yeah. Yes. It, I, I shouldn't okay. have to patch around the scriptwriter's holes. Exactly, yeah. You, I mean, all plot holes, you can eventually come up with some story, but they shouldn't be that... Well, they're pretty egregious if you can't. Um, <laughs> um, uh, other characters... So we talked about Max von Sydow, yes, who, is, who does a good job with a pretty dull part, frankly. Uh, and then the, there aren't... I mean, we have Agatha, it's Samantha Morton, I mm. think... Um, as the it, uh, as the actor, it's not um, much of a role. She, d- I mean, she does it. I mean, she she has to act, you know, completely confused by everything. Yeah, which all right is is not easy to do well. I think a lot of people think it is, but it's it's not much of a showing off her acting ability in any other respect. I think. No, I mean, she does. What the other thing that slightly confused me about this? I mean, we we haven't talked about the punishment of pre-crime. Um, mm. Why? Why is the? I mean, this is not that far from where we are now. Uh, and despite you know the many failures in our current society and justice system, there is no crime for which you're not awarded some kind of legal defence. Um, oh, strict liability uh, offences. Where's he at? Uh, right. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, but if, if you haven't been if you get committed. speed cameraed, for example, your car gets speed cameraed. So, um, uh, you you have to say who was driving the car, and that person is going to get uh, a ticket. Well, is that? I don't know if that's technically a criminal offence. Uh, yes, is it, it is. I, uh, okay. All right. Um, this is the kind of defence um, our noble leader tried to hide behind with, uh, with his uh, uh, but, fixed but, penalty charge. I, yeah, as you say, what, what we've got is both the prediction and the automatic no trial, no parole, life imprisonment. Life imprisonment. Again, in this weird kind of showy prison. As, as someone who has looked into space-efficient packing, um, it, no, really not. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're, they're, they're stored in one, one great in multiple great big columns and when you want to look up you know the one fifty down the column you you roll them up you roll up that column which means it has to you ha- your facility has to be the height of the column and the depth of it <laughs> yes yeah and then they i don't know what they do but they're draining an awful lot of bloody energy um do they do their bladders work anymore do their bowels work or do they just stay there in stasis it didn't Again, it was all for show that prison. I quite like the oh, I recognise the um the actor and I haven't looked him up since he crops up in a number of I think he's in Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? But the kind of the sort of laconic prison guard who was like, Oh, okay, you're holding a gun at me, alright, well go on then. Um uh, Tim Blake Nelson? Yes, Tim Blake Nelson, who is uh, he's a very good um actor. I, I think he was in the Watchmen T V series, which was very good. Um as um Mirror face or whatever he's called. Anyway, it doesn't uh, matter. Yeah. Um, uh, but I, I liked him in it. But again, the whole prison took me out of it because it was so like, look at this cool sci-fi prison we've thought of. When it didn't make any sense. I, I must admit, I, I think you could have had something that looked equally cool, but you could base it on, for example, a tape-changing robot. Uh, you, uh, the, this is a, you know, a, a real thing for backup tapes. Right. Uh, and what you basically have is is a big cylinder. Uh, the 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 uh, tapes face inwards, and then up and down a pole in the centre, you have a robot arm that moves and rotates. Okay. And yeah. Then it, then that it makes go, sense. goes to the yeah. right place, pulls one out, brings it down to the tape drive, and so on. And that that could have yeah. been just as impressive visually, and actually make something like sense. <laughs> yes. Still didn't make it. I mean, why why this unique permanent? Imprisonment. It didn't. I don't I mean, know. I mean, you could that, see but... that you know, if Evil Max had had wanted to set something up, it could have worked that way. But but it's never questioned, even even as the entire system is being questioned. Nobody is ever saying, yeah. well, you know, consider that that initial sequence. You know, you could say, okay, uh, you you are about to stab your wife. The cops burst in and put their hands on your shoulder and give you the number of a divorce lawyer. 
And, and probably, you know, it was a crime of the instant. He would probably be just as happy to say, oh, crap, I was going to murder her. No, no, I don't want to do that, if he, if he had time to think about it. Yeah, and, and there are, you can imagine many lawyers let loose on this system, just ripping it to shreds. And, you know, you're the brother of one of these people. They've been in prison forever for something that someone in a tank that is supposed to have some kind of magic ability says that they would have done, but they didn't. I just have a hard time believing that would have ever actually happened. And I, yeah, but I pe- haven't... people have at some point been brought to accept this, at least in DC. Yes. And, you know, what was it? One of those sort of bombing, bombing of Coventry situations. We, we have predicted ten murders that are going to happen tonight, and we're going to put them in this this envelope. And then in the morning, when, when these people are dead, we'll say we could have prevented these. <laughs> yeah. it, yes, I had a hard time believing that fundamental conceit um, of it. But there we are. I had another point to make about the prison, but I, it will come to me again later on. Um, but yeah, the, it. As I've said, Minority Report is full of these little things that look really cool, but um, but just a moment's reflection, or even not a moment, just it doesn't doesn't really make any sense, and it's largely there for show. Mm. Like the whole, uh, and I suppose that's perhaps more true than anything. The whole um, the whole smushy thing that Tom Crowe is doing at the first, you know, the swiping left and pulling right and moving this onto there, which isn't that far removed from how we use engage with computers nowadays but it all felt so over the top showy mm. as opposed to this is a practical thing we need to do i don't I'm, I'm not completely certain on the timing of this uh i know certainly since then it, it is it has been tried and people really don't like making great big hand gestures for more than you know, a couple of minutes because it, it, yes, it, it's, it's big, it's tiring for a while, and I absolutely agree. <laughs> um, they, they would, much, I mean, waving a hand may be, but for most people, a mouse is actually pretty darn good, or a trackball, or something of that nature. Yeah, I mean, VR is pretty good nowadays, um, but most people, to be honest, would often rather sit down and use a computer because it's a lot less tiring for the most part. Um, yeah, it, it was. It, there's a lot of that kind of showy nonsense really there are some really good um uh, sorry we we were still talking about the actors i suppose and i, I suppose i'm struggling because there aren't there aren't really a lot more interesting characters there's his buddies in the in the police that that sort of almost become personalities one of those buddies looks to me as if he's come from a different film um <laughs> the, the blonde guy yes uh, i thought you might say no, i no, kept no, thinking Yes, and I really thought he'd have something more to do because he actually—I don't know if he's got star quality or quite what—but he—he seemed so apparent. Yeah, I think you're right. He stood out. Well, he's very—he's very, he's very recognisable made... compared with the other cops who all basically look more or less like each other. Or yes, generic. But he felt like he was going to be—I don't know—he felt like he, that something more was going to happen with him. I completely agree. He was too conspicuous and you felt oh this guy's important and it turns out he wasn't all right (laughs) his look did kind of remind me of matthew lillard in wing commander but that's not his fault goodness me have you seen i i haven't i love the games but goodness me i haven't watched the the film oh goodness it's a great film in a certain way Okay, all right. I might watch it when I'm in a certain way, and then I might enjoy it more. Um, uh, but, yeah, uh, I agree. He's he's got a uh, yes. And then who else have we got in the film? We have um, uh, the, the uh, ex-wife. Yes, neither of both was struggling to remember the name. Uh, uh, Laura, Laura, Laura. Um, played by Catherine Morris, whom I don't think I'd heard of. And I. You know, she doesn't make much of an impression again because she's not. She's there to be in the wrong place at the wrong time with uh, with Max von Sydow's character um, mm. because because we've already shot <laughs> um, we've already shot Colin Farrell, so now we need another um, person <laughs> to be victimised. Um, yeah, uh, I yeah. That's that's about it as far as the characters go. Didn't um, we had? Um... No, there's a cameo for Lois Smith um, as, as the 
the other half of the, the creation of the, of the Pro Prime That was who I was trying to remember. That was a, an interesting and very watchable performance. I'm not quite sure what she was trying to get across or the film was trying to get her across as other than very eccentric. What, what did you make of her? Yeah, I, I, I quite liked it for really don't give a damn anymore. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'll just um, kiss this guy on the lips. He's very handsome, and what does it matter? Right? Yeah, and go, go um, away and let me get on with talking to my murder plants. <laughs> yeah, it was a it was a very interesting performance. I was a little confused by it, but it was another one of those. It wasn't quite comedic, but there's another eccentric character that didn't tonally didn't quite fit with Tom Cruise. Mm. I think. I, I wonder if Tom Cruise is perhaps one of our bigger problems in this film. Um, well, when we were chatting about this, I, I, you made a point that I think I very much agree with, which is, if it were the Arnie version, if it were, if it were just saying here is a romp, yeah. I, th- I think we would both have appreciated it more. But stylistically, it's it's always saying, take me seriously. Yeah. And yeah, I agree. Then so not backing we, it up. We forgave Ghost of Mars as. A lot of plot holes, as big as the ones we've had here, easily, I would say. But we forgave it because it was always intended to be, watch this, enjoy it. Um, and the reason we struggle with that with Minority Report is it, it wants more, it wants to have its cake and eat it. It wants to be like, no, look at me, I've really thought about how the future would look, and this is how it would be. Um, I, I believe and, some know, of that was a reaction to AI, the previous film Spielberg had made. Oh, which God, was decried for looking very unrealistic. I've I've not seen it. I, I've decried for me from being incredibly dull. <laughs> <laughs> it had the worst of both worlds in that it had Kubrick's deathly miserable dullness and, <laughs> and Spielberg. None of Spielberg's kind of verve. Uh, yeah, oh dear me. Um, uh, anyway, yeah, I'm just trying to. But yes, it, it feels like it. It re- it's really trying to be. Uh, uh, and look, we've really thought about the consequences of this science fi- this science fiction scenario. Um, but then it's constantly getting it wrong, or being a bit inconsistent, or not making sense. Uh, yeah, in a way that I struggle to forgive it. The way that we forgave Ghosts of Mars. Mm. Um, it, it's also the action kind of. It, it's sort of an action film. Or it's a, it suddenly action. becomes an action film. Well, it, it does in the middle, and then the end of it is all sort of noir. There's not really any action sequences that I can remember after, um, you know, once, uh, uh, is it Lamar goes to the ball and he's exposed, um, and once, uh, once, um, Tom Cruise has been arrested. After that, it's all kind of exposition and who done it and film noir stuff. There isn't really. It's a, am I forgetting? I don't recall. I mean, there's a certain amount of holding people at gunpoint, but yeah, yeah, but that's a bit noiry, isn't it? But there's no jumping on top of moving cars. Again, I found that sequence very thrilling. Um, yeah, why do the cars go sideways? It does. Uh, I, I like. I like the amount the visual. But no, seriously, why works. why do the cars go sideways? Why, why do the cars? Because it looks cool. <laughs> because it looks cool. Um, and that's why they go straight down a completely vertical... I mean, I can think of a lot of practical problems as to why you probably wouldn't want to do But it made for a good, fun action mm-hmm. sequence. But that action sequence does flirt with the kind of, uh, I don't believe a human being could do this, um, so I'm no longer believing it. It didn't quite get there. I did, I, again... Cruz is very good at that stuff, and he does get you believing. And much like Harrison Ford, I am a human being, and that hurt, but I did it because I'm a perfect physical specimen. Yeah, I, um, I think the the thing that's reminded me of, um, to some extent, was Raiders of the Lost Ark, because yeah. as you say, that does work, and it may be that Harrison Ford is better at that particular aspect of the physicality, and Arnie, of course, is great at it. But that yes. whole, you know, I I have just been slammed into something that really ought to leave me unconscious and bleeding from the, from all orifices. Yes. But because I'm instead, I'm, a I'm hero, just going to grunt and shrug it off. Um, yeah, but it does. I I think Cruz is good at that physicality. I yeah, my personal taste is I prefer Harrison Ford doing it because he does it with a wry smile and a kind of a, a world weariness. But, but, but he gives you the impression have. that yeah, it did hurt. But I can, yeah. but I can push through. Whereas Cruz for me is 
actually more like Schwarzenegger in this regard, saying, oh yeah, I can tough it out, I'm, I'm immediately going on with the next thing. But with Schwarzenegger, yeah. he looks like a guy who maybe could, whereas Cruz doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's, I mean, he's... Uh, I, I, I'm not questioning uh, Cruz because he does a lot of his own stunts. Not, I mean, I don't. I don't oh know yeah, I, it, this is not a question of his actual capability. This is a question of how yeah. he comes over on the screen. Yeah, uh, there is something. He, well, he does not look th- big and bulky and muscly, how, no matter how actually strong he may be. He, he looks very professional and well practiced, and that mm. just makes me think that's Tom Cruise, not Janet John Anderton. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, we've been uh, yammering for a while now about Minority Report. I, I don't know. Uh, are we have, have we other points to make on it? Are we, I, are I would we just like to say in part? passing, there were inevitably people who saw the idea of an advertisement that recognises you, you and calls your name and, th- and thought, man, that's a really great idea. I've got to be first to market with that. <laughs> in the film's defence, I don't think it's saying that's a good idea. No, I agree. Um, but I agree <laughs> that, that that looks like some Adran's wet dream. Um, they which they is, did uh, get 25% of the budget from product placement. Yeah, I noticed that. There's a moment when he looks right at his watch, and uh, thankfully I can't remember the make of the watch, I'm not <laughs> going to repeat it even if I could, but it is very clear that this is this watch and this is the watch, and, and there are many more scenes like that. Um, I mean, for me, ultimately, very stylish, very watchable, too long. Yeah, it, it did, it did not it need to be a two-and-a-half-hour film. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right, uh, it felt like a two-hour film because Spielberg... But it still felt yes. like that rather than a ninety-minute film. Oh yeah, it didn't drag, but it 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 slightly outstayed its welcome. And for a film that wants to be taken very seriously, it it really just was a romp. I mean, it, I I looked at the reviews and they were all about oh, it it really looks at you know what what it is determinism. You know what is free will and what is determinism. Well, no, it doesn't. I mean, it doesn't play with that at all, other than. Oh, now you know your future. You can change it. I mean, that's the rule in the film, but that's not that has no bearing on what it means to have free will in real life, as opposed to what it would mean to be in a deterministic world. And how could we tell it? None of that it comes across in the film. The fact that it references free will does not make it a study on those themes, which a lot of reviews seem to think that it did. Yeah, the original novella uh, does do that to some extent. It, it basically. It, it's all much more compact. Uh, I, 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 again, as a side note, Philip K. Dick's a phenomenal author and, and everyone should read him. Ubik is my favourite of his, of his books, which is uh, great, but yeah, sorry, carry on. But, uh, so basically it starts where he sudden, suddenly gets that he, the report that he is going to murder a guy. Um, yeah. and his, his assumption is that, that the guy from the, um, second in command, who is Whitmer in this case, um, has framed him to get his job. Yeah, it was the baddie in the story, isn't he? Um, well, I think. to some extent. And, and yeah. basically, he discovers that the guy Which, he is... Sorry, that's Colin Farrell's character, yeah. isn't it? Uh, he just discovers that, supposedly, that the, the, the guy he is going to, he is, in theory, going to murder, uh, is going to essentially take over. Yeah, right, become, uh, become a dictator. Crimes, you know. And the, and oh, the only uh, way to stop him is to murder him, and if he does murder him, then he will be uh, punished and the guy will be a dictator anyway. Because, hey, it's Philip Dick, it's not not going to be a happy ending. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. See, I love Yeah, he's a great writer. And I, yeah, uh, he, uh, I, I, I love the... Uh, what I did like about and what it is intelligent with, as I've said, is that I like the... and So that's not really in the... Oh, I suppose it is in the short story, but what I like is the uh, Lamar, Max von Sydow's character, having to think round all these constraints. How could I actually do a murder, given this? Mm. And I, I really like that. Uh, but there's not a lot more clever stuff that goes on, I don't think. It's, it's, a, it's a fun romp that is probably too long and thinks it's cleverer than it is. That would be my... Yeah. On the other hand, I mean, all props to Janusz Kaminski. Um, Spielberg said, "Make the ugliest, dirtiest movie I've ever made." <laughs> um, he's he ended up shooting it, I believe, in Super Thirty Five. Okay. Uh, so very grainy and needing a lot of uh, enlarging process. And yeah, it, it really does work. You know, in in an era when yeah, for us now, this is just a th- a, th- a, th- a probably one of the preset filters in your editing package. Yes, it yes. really works nicely. 
yeah, I, it looks, it looks phenomenal. It just, uh, it, it, it knows it. <laughs> and I know it. And I, I think, uh, it, it does that at the expense of practicality for the characters in the film, which constantly reminds me these are characters in a film. These aren't people in a real universe because you just, that wouldn't be how a real universe worked. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of uh, some of the prototypical science fiction stories, which are much more about how would a person react in this situation? And so what we have is a person without any distinguishing traits. <laughs> yes, yeah. Uh, Arthur C. Clarke, we're looking at you. Um, <laughs> uh, but I suppose I, I don't have a lot of good things about to th- say about 2001 because the ending just ruins the entire rest of the film for me. But mm. I will say that is a universe, and it was very deliberately and very pedantically designed. So that is a universe for people to live in. There are people who have to use this toilet in mm. zero gravity. This is a... a, a a, a, this is a computer that has to control this uh, spaceship and this is why and this is the logical flaw that has created this problem in this artificial intelligence and I never get any feeling of that from Minority Report I, I don't believe it for a second really yes uh, in terms of fridge logic I, I don't get to the fridge before I question yeah I did keep getting distracted uh, I would like to mention um, some some years later uh, 2015, I believe, there was a TV series called Minority Report. Oh, really? Um, I'm not aware of that. I guess that's because it's not around anymore. Uh, yeah, 10 episodes, one season got cancelled. Um, and that, I, that might make a better episode of the week. I, or you could certainly play with that more. Well, the, I think part of the problem is that, is that they edit on Fox, and when Fox does a science fiction, uh, crime drama. Yeah. They always remember that they have a great big audience who don't understand stuff. Yeah. And so they, they tried to make it very much, I, the, the basic setup is there is now a conventional police force again. Um, and one, one of the psychics starts working with one of the cops and then they have to try to keep that a secret and things go, things spiral from there. Yeah. Okay. It doesn't sound very inspiring, does it? It's um, quite fun, but it's not good. Okay, yeah, all right. I, I wouldn't recommend seeking it out. I don't even know if it ever got any sort of DVD release. Uh, probably it did, because everything does, but... Uh, well, maybe. Maybe someday. If I was more inspired by the film. Um, yeah. Was Minority Report... Is Minority Report a masterpiece, Roger? Well, no. Okay, <laughs> there we go. But but I can see... I mean, I can see why people might think so. If you cared more about the things we didn't care about and didn't mind the things that we minded and so on I think maybe we are uniquely difficult audience for it it is undeniably enjoyable um, uh, and visually stunning in areas but I can't quite mm. forget if it's visually stunning it, it's beautiful Absolutely. We should have been blown away by the action sequences, some of which were, I really love, we haven't referenced the, um, the, the sequence where he's being hunted by spiders, mm. with a Y, presumably, in the, and, and sinking himself under the wall. And later on we realise how he can hold his breath for so long. Um, whether we already knew that, I can't remember. Um, but that moment when the bubble, again, it's all filmic and all visual and it doesn't really make a lick of sense, but it's so well done that I, that, that didn't distract me when the bubble bursts and the spider just pauses and then they all come out. But you know, the net effect of that scene was that he was fine because, uh, his new eyes saved him anyway. So he could have just let them look in his eye in the first place. But there we go. Um, hmm. I, I thought that was a really good scene that I really enjoyed. Um, yeah. and there were a few yeah. like that in Minority Report, but there were just a few too many. What? Well, uh, that wouldn't work uh, for me to fully commit to it. So yeah. I agree. Uh, not a masterpiece for me for those reasons. But I, if there were, if we did awards for just visuals, I think that's probably fair. And I think as far as influential goes, it, it probably was influential with the visuals in a lot of different ways um, and its imaginations of the future, probably some of which are filtered into our own reality. I don't know whether that's a good thing or not, mm. but I think it was very influential there. Uh, but, certainly like, there have been various attempts to use um, phone and Bluetooth fingerprinting to have an in-store display that says, oh, hey, you're back again. 
<laughs> yeah. How, oh, how do you get on with those fat burning pills you bought last time? Or yeah. whatever. <laughs> would you like some more Viagra? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, um, if that, geez, if that's the influence he had, then I can't award it masterpiece status for sure. <laughs> um, it's very good. I mean, it's Spielberg. Uh, a bad Spielberg film is still a good film. It's, he's like a pizza, isn't he? As far as directors <laughs> go, um, I, I probably I, liked it less than you, um, but I still, I still, in, I still enjoyed it. All oh, right, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, I, I did allow myself to be carried away with it, but neither of us were uh, taken in by its wiles in, in a way that Ghost of Mars. Yeah, we we compared a bit to Ghost of Mars off character and I uh, off air, and I think. It's fair. They're both the same type of film for me. They're just um, uh, one's more pretentious than the other, and that's <laughs> why I think I prefer Ghost of Mars. But it's very mm. good. And maybe if it had been, uh, I don't know about Harrison Ford, but a different actor instead of Tom Cruise, I might have gone with it a bit more. And that's a surprise to me because I do like Tom Cruise uh, in a lot of things. I just I don't think it quite worked here. Mm. So, two thousand and two in film. Oh, yes, we should, before we move on a year. So, uh, at the Academy Awards, uh, the pianist gets three, including two big ones, gets Best Director, Best Actor. Quite right. I think that was one of our most unequivocal masterpieces from both of us. I think so, yeah. Yeah, very good. Uh, he, he does not get the most Oscars, though, because uh, that, really? that goes to Chicago. Oh, Okay, uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, again, I don't dislike musical theatre, but I don't particularly like Chicago. So. I haven't seen that, that version of it. Uh, it, it does get best picture, best supporting actress, and, uh, four others. Uh, The Hours well. does well. Oh, I vaguely remember that. Uh, I don't think I've seen it. I, I don't think I have. That, that, uh, Kidman as Virginia Woolf, I think, gets best actress. That's right, yes, yeah. Uh, Adaptation does reasonably well. I sort of like adaptation. I've seen a bit too much, um, I was going to say Andy Kaufman then, but it's, is it Charlie Kaufman? Yeah. Um, Charlie Kaufman. Um, I've got, I got slightly tired of his, his, his trick now, but <laughs> I liked it, I liked it at the time. I, I should say, yeah, we, we make no secret that we've been using, um, Thompson's Have You Seen as a guide, and adaptation yes. is the only one he mentions for 2002. Oh, really? I should read what he thinks of it. Um, it does have, it should be said, I believe it has two Nicolas Cages in it, so, you know, that's two good reasons <laughs> to, to watch a film. Ah, uh, but nobody made being Nicolas Cage. I mean, really Oh, that's true. That would have been amazing. Um, being John Balkowitz is, is pretty good, though. So, and he has uh, John Cusack in. Sorry, go on. Uh, sorry, I was just, uh, John Cusack is in being John Malkovich. Very good. But, yeah. anyway. Uh, top ten box office. Uh, Minority Report comes in at number ten. Oh, really? Okay, well, one of our rare instances of being on with the box office, I suppose. And uh, one of the few non-series films, yeah? Oh, uh, okay. Number nine, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was, to be fair, not intended to have a sequel, though they made one several years later. Yes, yeah, it's, it's not... It, yeah, I, I didn't hate it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I can see why it's very popular, and it's, it's a good film, just not for me. Uh, so number eight, Ice Age... Um, oh yes, yeah, which that's was all right. Absolutely intended to be part of a series. Yes, yeah. Uh, I've, I've enjoyed the shorts with Scrat in them, but I oh, the yeah. films themselves don't speak to me. Uh, number seven, Signs. Oh jeez, <laughs> is that the M Night Shyamalan one where the aliens who are allergic to water invade a planet that is two thirds water? Mm-hmm. And it's got Mel Gibson in. <laughs> oh my god. Um, yeah, not recommended. Yeah. As a, yeah, former priest, I think. Yes, he is. Yeah, that's right. Yes, he's a former priest. Uh, presumably Catholic. I wouldn't have uh, allowed himself to play. Oh, really? He allowed himself to play a different type of player. Okay, well. Okay. <laughs> uh, that was before he'd gone full unpleasant. Yeah. Uh, so, number six, Die Another Day. The, uh, one of the worst Bond films ever made, I believe, uh, by those who watch such things. Yet another attempt to kill the franchise by making something absolutely terrible, but they, they keep taking the paddles back to it. <laughs> yes. Uh, talking of which, number five, Men in Black 2. Oh dear. The sequel what, to the did film. Did you like that... Men in Black 1? I didn't love it, but I thought the first one on its own was yeah. not bad. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, two didn't really, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not as good as a film that wasn't that fantastic in the first place. And talking of which, number four, Star Wars Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. <laughs> Make it stop. <laughs> oh, God. It's like the late 90s, mid-90s all over again. Uh, number three, Spider-Man. Oh, is that the Sam Raimi one? Yeah, That's we are not currently seeing sequels to this film. We're seeing sequels to an entirely different series of Spider-Man films. Yay! Oh, uh, <laughs> um, well, it did get a bit carried away, but that is, I, I liked it. One of the few superhero films. I was never much of a superhero comics fan. I was always into 2000 AD. Um, but I liked that. Of the superhero, of the superhero comics I read, Spider-Man was the character I liked most, and mm. I liked this film. And I like Sam Raimi. And it has, um, Bruce, um, Ah, oh, what's his name? Not Springsteen, not Dern. Um, uh, Groovy, that guy. Um, Bruce Campbell, of mm-hmm. course. Um, in it, and that's no bad thing. Indeed. Uh, yeah. One of the, one of the best things about Dern notice. Oh yes, yeah, yes, yes. Uh, okay, so number two. Yeah, so we're we're back into the um, easy to predict ones. Number two, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Oh, okay. Well, that aged well, didn't it? <laughs> I wouldn't know. I've not seen it. <laughs> uh, it's more that the author has not um, uh, aged yeah. very well. It's uh, yeah. And and yeah. number one, the Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, which I have seen. It was the last of the Lord of the Rings film I saw. I, I think I even saw it in a cinema. God, they're all middle films as well. Bloody hell! <laughs> uh, all right. Well, that so, was some films. I think. In, in spite of our reservations about Minority Report, I think at least in terms of the uh, big appealing films, it's doing a lot better than a lot of the competition. Oh, absolutely. I was just about to say, you know, we may have just been a bit savage about Minority Report, but it's a heck of a lot better and way more imaginative than a lot of those you just read out. So, yeah, fair enough. I mean, the if if we're trying to be at all strict about science fiction, then, then it's up against... Um, Signs, Men in Black 2 and Star Wars 2, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna say without hesitation, Minority Report is far and away the best of all of those films. So, yeah. I've I'm seen glad, two I'm of them and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair enough. Well, you're, the one you haven't seen is Signs, is it? Yeah. Don't, don't see Signs. If you want fun, um, Night Shyamalan, watch The Happening instead, which is much, <laughs> much funnier. Um, it's terrible, but in a good way. So. Oh God, I just remembered the existence of The Village, which is another one of his terrible films. Dear <laughs> me, what happened to him? <laughs> to him? Oh, well. I, I remember that there was one, uh, this is before he got back into his primary thing of violence against women, uh, but, but the, the trailer got recut because when it had the big splash of um, M. Night Shyamalan film, there, there were groans from the cinema audiences. Oh, my God, yeah, he... Um, he, 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 he shot his bolt rather quickly and people got a bit tired of it after a while and and then he got into torture porn and started a career, second career but hey oh well we are unlikely to be troubling ribbon of memes let's put it that way yeah I think that's fair <laughs> well there we are that will conclude this minority report for uh, for today and we'll be back next week with a uh, maybe you can predict what we're going to watch next week you set your patients on fire. <laughs> I'll put them out. <laughs> Peter Stamaro for the win. Definitely. <laughs>